before we get going today, we just wanted to send our prayers, hopes and well wishes to Damar Hamlin and his family. What was witnessed on Monday Night Football was shocking, upsetting and most of all, scary. As much as we at TDU love analysing players, coaches and the game of football, we never forget and are eternally grateful for all involved who put their jobs, bodies and at times, lives on the line to play the game they love and what gives us as passionate football fans something to cheer about. There are things in life that are bigger and more important than football and we send Damar strength and his family hope to get through this difficult time. Thank you. Herbert is being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught! Touchdown! Keenan Allen! What a grab! That's what I'm talking about! Hey, that's what I'm talking about! That's the warrior spirit right there, boy! Huge sack by Joey Bosa! 90-yard touchdown! 90-yard touchdown! It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Guyton. Caught! Touchdown, Chargers! That's the greatest throw I've And a very happy New Year's to you all. Welcome to the first edition of 2023 on the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. Andy here with my good mate, Jack. And a good day to you, sir. How are you, mate? I'm very well. Very, very well. Still on holidays here. Back in Adelaide, back in the uh, the setup. So the audio should be crisp and clean this week. I apologize to listeners over the last couple of weeks. Haven't been in the studio, but back and super hyped because I watched the game on my phone as I drove back from uh, Melbourne to Adelaide. Not whilst I was driving, mind you. My lovely fiance was driving. So super, super hyped over a 31-10 win. My Lord, baby, we're back. We're playing playoffs. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, we've had a, another awesome win at home against the Rams in as big a way as we've seen in some time, score-wise. Uh, stress-free football, perfect way to round out an awesome weekend of football, both the NFL and the two blockbusters on New Year's Eve in the college uh, playoffs. Uh, Huge. Plenty of our game to chew through. Um, a look ahead at the Broncos bout in Week 18 at Mile High, and we'll have a bit of a chat about what the playoffs landscape looks like in both the AFC and NFC as we head into the last week of the regular season. Thanks, as always, to our fans and listeners out there. We're super stoked that um, our third amigo, Al, got to interact with a few of you guys, either from the show or mm-hmm. Bolts from the Blue, as he's, he made his way, or should I say stumbled his way through Thunder Alley uh, pre-game. Lots of videos and chats from him during the game. Looked like an awesome uh, experience. 80 to 20 charges to Rams fans, which is pretty sensational. It's Herbert's house, baby. Guys, don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you haven't already and give the video a like. We appreciate it very much. Alrighty, straight into it. Los Angeles Chargers 31, Los Angeles Rams 10. Home stadium clash against the reigning world champions. Those same reigning world champs have now lost the most games following a Super Bowl winning season. Ta-ta! Turbot's house, baby! And that it was. Joe Lombardi having probably his best game in the two-year span running this offense, at times even teasing the Rams secondary. Austin Eckler simply incredible after spending the week with a bung knee, both on uh, on the ground and in the air. Mike Williams instrumental with his acrobatic catches, just brilliant. Herbert under center probably had the game he needed to just shake off the the cobwebs of the last few weeks. Nothing superhuman, didn't have to be God, but neat and clean, 212 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions before Chase Daniel took over late. On defense, the KVN train continues a steaming home. 
Something about this guy in post-Thanksgiving football. A sack now in his last four games, a forced fumble and a recovery to boot. Coverage kept Mayfield in check, allowing just 132 yards. Run defense continuing to be a concern. Bullish style of Cam Akers looked to take the game away early and answering everything the Bolts could do themselves on the ground. But we move on. A stress-free, enjoyable contest. Some offensive pizzazz. Staley gets one up on his old boss. 10 wins on the season, double digits. It's really quite remarkable to think we were looking troubled at six and six, four wins in a row. Really good chance to steal that fifth playoff spot. Jack, man, how are you feeling about this game, this win, this result? Well, well, we have been pleading, praying on our knees. Well, I have anyway, about coherent football and complementary football. We've seen one team, we've seen an offense perform and a defense not perform. Then we've seen the defense perform and the offense not perform. The one constant has been special teams, um, but what a complete performance. It was complimentary. Uh, the defense was, a lot of people might be saying, bend but don't break. I still thought they, were, they played fantastically well, adaptive. Baker Mayfield had nowhere to throw. Seeing him in the pocket going, uh, 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 shitting his pants was great. I'm not a huge fan of Baker Mayfield, but we won't talk about that just if yet. If you couldn't tell. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and you're right. I think Joe Lombardi had probably one of his better games in terms of the uh, the way he called the game. And I thought you put it really beautifully too, Andy, that it, it didn't require Herbert to be God. He made some pretty incredible throws. Uh, Mike Williams made some pretty incredible catches. But man, just a complete performance. And that for me, this is the happiest and most complete I feel as a fan and analyst. So uh, hooray, prayers have been answered at the right time of the season. So fantastic. Mm -hmm. Big time, man. Yeah, look, um, I thought... Lombardi, like I said, I thought he was he just he was creative. It was a really dynamic offensive game. Um, maybe apart from like the two minute drill before the halftime and uh, the three and out after the Kyle Van Noy fumble. Lots of round tree in there was interesting. Um, using tight ends in the end zone, hooray! Parham oh, six foot eight God. man, get him in there. Tuddy, beautiful. Gerald Everett always fighting for yards. Great use of them. Bulk yards with Mike Williams. Keenan Allen always reliable. Mixed it up, uh, throw it short, go over the top. He'd draw the defense in, and he really just kind of mucked around with them. I thought it was um, it was really fun and kind of like always getting me up on my seat. I was excited. I, I, I wasn't just expecting like a stick route or a, a throw to the flat um, with four defenders coming at the at, at Eckler or anyone. Um, yeah, look, it was, it was good, good to watch. You're right. I was very fulfilled or satiated by this win <laughs> and so jealous so. that our uh, <laughs> co-analyst if you will was bloody there bastard yeah oh well very Play jealous on. yeah i mean I, we'll have a little clip from him later on to see he just gets the words out listeners so i'm sorry if you can't understand him but uh you're right and i think the numbers show it so mike williams had 94 keenan allen had 60 um you know keenan allen didn't have another didn't need to have one of his games where he's catching 11 for 85 or 11 for 110 which i which i think is good i think that's a really good sign as much as i guess you know you look at a receiver's line and go geez he's had 11 catches and 105 yards must have had an incredible game um i don't think i think this offense needs to be spread um the, the the where we get the touches needs to be spread i would have liked to see a little bit more of deandre carter he didn't really sort of pop up gerald everett again was relatively quiet i thought but the um the red zone offense and the red zone improvement uh was quite stark it was staggering actually you now alluded you're speaking to my language baby 
when um, Parham caught that ball and Herbert finally for the first time looked confident in throwing a ball, you know, that uh, sort of 15 yards, zipping it straight into a receiver's handle. I haven't seen that for the last, oh God, I can't really remember, maybe 10 weeks. Mm. He's looked very tentative. Oh, he did have any, that one any decision. Throwing, any throwing of Herbert's over the middle has been, well, it's just, sorry, it just hasn't been there. And it's we saw it a bit during like the field. And then, yeah, like you said, just bonk. Straight over into the into the gloves, and and it's good, and it's and it shows me that um, you know I, I spoke about we run and run and run and we get down to the five yard line and there's not enough room for Herbert to perhaps operate. There's not enough room for the receivers to operate. That pass to Parham was a good you know probably 15 yards, and there's there's that little bit of the room, little bit of room. So I'm not sure whether Joe Lombardi's listening to this podcast. He's probably far more intelligent to listen to our dross. Um, but it was like my prayers were answered, which was fantastic. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on, Andy, is 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 this offensive line play and and the 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 running game now. I won't get too into the zone versus the power um, running schemes, but you know the, the where we had success a lot on the ground on um, on Sunday was the was the power run when you've got the, the 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 tackle or the guards pulling and creating that space that um, that that run I posted on TDU film not that long ago um, the the run where Eckler kind of made a twenty yard run to sort of to get us into the end zone. Um, you know, that was impressive because we had uh, Pitkins actually ran across um, and blocked and, and we got that space. So, you know, and, and having uh, having Parham and Keenan Allen back, yes, they're pass catchers, but they can Man. also block. They're very, very good in, the, in that blocking game. So I'm seeing enough from Joe here to make me think that he's adaptable. He's actually going, well, this zone, this zone inside running game is just not working. We've got to try and do something else. And for it to be happening week 17, not ideal, but at least it's showing me something. And there's a little bit more balance. We're not just going zone in the middle, zone outside and getting stuff. We're trying some different things, which I think is wonderful. Hmm. Well, let me ask you a question then. Um, you just said it, week 17, we've finally seen this. Uh, yep. Um, Sort of, I'm half wondering, uh, did, did, is all the attention that gets thrown at Staley about in the last couple of weeks, the offense not really coming to play when the defense is absolutely balling? Do you think it's kind of forced his hand into it a little bit? Interfering is probably the wrong word, but, you know, have his say. Um, what, what do you think? Good point. That's a really good point. I hadn't actually thought of it like that, but... If you've got, if you're if you're sitting there as an well, he's the head coach. It's like it, it's he's not the defensive coordinator. Where hey, you know, the team didn't win, but my defense played well. It's his ass on right. the line. It's playoffs. It's his job. Like, at what point does so he go? It, it, okay, Joe, what are you doing, man? This ain't working. Well, I think- well, I think perhaps maybe it's it's more subtle than that, and maybe that's what Staley's done. And you've even heard it in some of his press conferences. He hasn't been particularly complimentary of Joe. He mm. said, "Oh, the offense needs to improve. You know, we still our red zone needs to improve." So whether it's quite subtle, he's having those conversations behind closed doors. But you got to be sitting there if you if you're half smart. Lombardi's in there going, "Wow, look at the way the defense is playing. Look at the way Ficken has got special teams going. I've got to do something here. I have to do something because." It's just not it's, – I have to. I can't just keep, you know, banging my head against the wall. Um, is week 17 a little late? Possibly. But one good game does not make a great coordinator. I just want to put it out there, though. I'm not Completely I'm not going to rescind my comments from last week. Um, so, so, Andy, let me throw a question back at you. And this is 
I might have just answered my part of it, but does Joe Lombardi deserve an apology or do you reckon it's just a, just a hiatus on the criticism? Oh, <clears throat> you've answered exactly how I would. One game does not a coordinator make and an apology, absolutely not. What have you been doing for four months, Joe? <laughs> Joe? I uh, don't think an apology is due at all. Um, I want to see consistency. I want to see improvement on what we... We weren't perfect by any means, and we're still maybe a few pieces short of potentially being perfect, but it's a lot better. Going back to actually what I asked you, there is probably fair argument to suggest that Brandon Staley had half a clue of what Sean McVay might be running on offense, so it might be ne- neglectful if he didn't put his you know fingers in the pot and say, hey, do this, they're shit at that. I took all the, <laughs> I took all the guys that were good at this. So don't run the yeah. ball. <laughs> uh, uh, look, I I also really like the fact that, be it Staley or Joe Lombardi, has decided, you know what, this Kobe Durant cornerback rookie for um, the Rams, is he's had a, a week against the, uh, the Broncos. Um, uh, I think two interceptions, one return for a touchdown, and mm. they're going – Okay, we're going to throw the ball at you seven times, five receptions, 64 yards. Thank you. And I think two two or three first downs. Um, yep. Balls on that. I applaud it. Um, look, we can't disappear from talking about the offense or move on to the defense. I'm really happy that you pointed out the run blocking by the tight ends and the receivers. I thought it was awesome. Trey Pipkins. Guy just keeps we, we we smash him for his lack of availability or this guy's always on his ass. But he always comes back into the game more often than not. And he does. you said he's, you know, pulled on that um that blocking play, um, continues to get back up and uh look, to be honest, he mustn't rate Sorel or Norton either, because He's getting back up and getting in there, be it injured or not. So, I, I think the guy's playing without an MCL. I believe he's just there's, there's nothing there. He's it can't be there anymore. It's got it's to be us. absolutely smashed. But it's but, incredible. But before we move on, uh, I, I brought him up at the at the start in my little recap. Austin Eckler was sensational. 122 yards, yeah. a lot of help from um, run blocking on the whole. I didn't think was super good. Not as good as it could have been, but that play. And Filer, that trap block on on Bobby Wagner sealed the hole for Eckler's 72-yard longest of his career. Um, And he also brought up his – or broke LaDainian Tomlinson's uh, receptions record for the Chargers as a running back, which is sensational to be um, uh, in in a a sentence with LT. So that's awesome. It's – it's huge, right? And and I think we, we don't talk about Austin Eckler much because it's just expected greatness. We expect him to get two touchdowns a game and 60 yards on the ground and 80 yards in the air or whatever it is. But he's really turned into not just a pass catching back. The way that his body pinballs around through one defender, two defender, three defender, Keith stays on his feet. And we're used to that in space, right? We're used to that. We're used to him catching it out wide and sort of making guys miss, which he can still do. But he has kind of turned into a little bit more of a pinball power runner. Not an exceptional one at that, um, but it's just incredible how his game continues to improve. He's not just this one trick pony or two trick pony anymore. He can do it all, which is incredible. And, um, um, I say, I've said this offline a couple of times. I mean, if he goes another year to two at this production, he's making a pretty good case to be 
one of the the best running backs in the last 10 years. And when you're in that company with LT, who knows what happens? Um, let's just stick on, before we do move to defense, Andy, let's just stick on these running backs because your man, um, Mr. Joshua Kelly, had... Um, uh, he had five runs for 60 yards, I believe. You know, he he, he was going at, I think that's right. Is that, I, I can't remember if that's right. Oh, no, sorry, 45 uh, on nine attempts, so five yards uh, a carry. Um, Sonny Michelle's been cut, as you eruditely pointed out before the pod. Um, <laughs> Isaiah Spiller, what's going on? Is, is it going to be a two-headed monster, or are we going to see Isaiah Spiller, or is it going to be Roundtree? What's going on? Well, yeah, it is quite interesting that they activated Larry Roundtree off the practice squad while still having, as far as I'm aware, a healthy spiller. It just seems like they are doing, oh, they just, I don't know, do they, maybe they just don't want him on, on the field. Uh, he's not the, he's not developed maybe the way that they have wanted him to, which is odd. They must see a whole lot more on the practice field than we've seen. Cause I haven't seen him fumble the ball i haven't seen him be that bad he falls forwards he runs aggressively seems to pick holes but there's just got to be a reason and the only thing i can really think of is that there's a bit more experience in the other guys and probably a little bit more uh now in pass blocking as well um and what they can contribute and probably um one of the stronger things for roundtree being in over uh spiller um, in the team at least, is special teams. Um, okay. Roundtree's involvement yeah. in the special teams. Um, and obviously Roundtree came on for a few carries late in the game because we'd won and we pulled all our guys and that was cool. So he didn't do anything too bad, but uh, I think his longest game was five yards and he looked okay in that run. Other than that, well, yeah, we're... um. We're not a focal run game team. If something does happen to Austin Eckler or Touchwood or Josh Kelly, for that matter, I'm sure we'll pick up someone on the waiver wire and try and jam them in, but it's not a big focal point. We'd rather get more healthy guys in depth spots elsewhere where we absolutely need it, like that D-line. Agreed. That's great. It's great roster management from my perspective. He's probably also a little bit too young and you're right. Yeah, a little bit that, inexperienced, that, yeah, I think. Yeah, <clears> the, the, the speed of having to pick up the blitzing linebacker uh, or the or the edge can sometimes mean the difference between Herbert having broken ribs and not having broken ribs. So For sure. Uh, or just having that, that extra point two of a second to be able to launch, exactly. uh, as we like saying that. All right, moving on to the defense. I really liked that we only allowed 36% on third down conversions, just as a rare off-the-top stat. Really good. The Love pressure it. we were getting on Baker Mayfield was just – wasn't as, as impressive as last week, but it was still – I think he had 19 pass plays, three sacks. That's like a 13.6% just off the top of my head. Uh, conversion rate <laughs> of sacks per pass plays. Um, I guess what was on the other side of that before I let you – uh, run the gauntlet on it, but the 132 yards he did have were off 11 completions. So we pressured them early, but then we got ahead, then he had to throw, and then he started, <clears throat> unfortunately, not making as many mistakes as I would have liked in terms of the turnovers, uh, but he started throwing, and it was a matter of time before he hit Van Jefferson for 47 or whatever it was. Yeah. What was your big defensive takeaway, man? 
Well, you know, the critics have said that, you know, how good is this Chargers defense? Because, you know, you've played some pretty average offenses, some banged up quarterbacks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let, let it be known that this Rams outfit put up 51 points last week. 51. 51 points. And we've held them to 10. Winning in the NFL is not easy. Winning in the NFL is not easy. So to to, to go and hold them to ten, and, and as I said in my intro part, that Mayfield, I love, I love it when you watch a Chargers defense and you see a quarterback with hot feet bump around, look at their first read, second read, third read, go back to their first read, go to their second read and go, I have no idea what's going on, so I'm going to scramble. I love seeing that because you know that the coverage, even though you can't see it on the TV screen, when you watch the All-22, you can. The coverage is doing its job. Just to go back to that um, third I, I, I enjoy that. I Sorry, I, sorry to interrupt. I do enjoy seeing that, but I'd enjoy it on a quarterback that's slightly less athletic than Baker Mayfield, like a Ben Roethlisberger. Like, try and convert a run on three, third and 15. That is. Yeah. I get your point, though, but, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it soon. We're coming up against a decent scrambling we quarterback, will. and we're going to have a few in the playoffs, so... It's good to enjoy while we have it. Play on as you were. Sorry, I interrupted you. That's all right. No, they, no, you make a good point. But just on those third downs, the last three games, we are uh, the Bolts are number one in the NFL uh, for opponent third down conversion. So that is at rank that it's at twenty one point eight eight percent. So That's in the last three games, because ours were shocking early. Huge, huge. I mean, we're now we're ranked sixteenth overall, so we're we're middle of the pack. Um, but that's a huge, huge, huge shift, monumental shift. That's down to a lot of things. That's down to Brandon Staley. That's down to I think the secondary becoming far more comfortable, uh, perhaps playing a little bit more man, perhaps uh, learning the system a little more, um, and also generating pressure um, on the on the quarterback. And also, I think our linebackers playing well, but. I think we need to talk about this man, the man named Vato, Michael mm. Davis. Uh, his coverage is lights out. He is the number one cornerback for the Los Angeles Chargers by quite a margin. Yeah. 13 pass breakups over the last, since week nine. He's just, he's week in, week out, taking the top receivers and just not letting anything go. Incredible. And I'm almost going to say that he's the sneaky defensive MVP for the Chargers this year because he's been quite incredible. Um, there was a great article that was written a bit while ago, I shared on Twitter about how he had a lot of off-field issues last year um, with his girlfriend, I believe, and he was struggling with the new system. He's had two years in it now and he knows it. Um, and he does speak to how this system, you need to rely on your teammates a lot more. It's not just you and the wide receiver going one-on-one. -on -one. You've actually got to adapt and sort of be aware of and empathetic to your players and what they're doing. And it's clear that that's kind of a, a singular comment that is representative of the whole defense because it is, it's this cohesive unit. So Michael Davis, well done. Um, incredible. And you need more money. I really hope you stay at the Chargers because you might actually be playing yourself out of a spot at the Bolts. But um, yeah, I hope you stay. Awesome stuff. I just don't want to see another Adrian Phillips where a good DB leaves the Chargers and then goes on to just do better and get better and do well and be one of the best defensive backs now that Gilmore and Jackson are out of New England um, for the Patriots. Yeah, something like a 40, 42.4 Passer rating when targeted. Um, another good pass breakup by Davis. Like I said, man, I'm just all about extending him, finding a way to pay him less money 
next year, but more money for more years down the track. Um, mm. That's the way I would play it with him. Linebackers, where did you fall on them? Because I actually thought that their play was pretty hit and miss. I thought Kenneth Murray really plummeted um, this week in terms of his stocks. Uh Missed gaps by him and Tranquil, sucked into blocks on running plays. That uh, touchdown run by Malcolm Malcolm Brown, Brown mm. uh, Tranquil just got absolutely engulfed on a block and bang, 23 yards up the middle. And that's really soft. That's the sort of thank, – thankfully that was their only touchdown, but that's, that's just money for jam uh, against the top teams in the league and they'll take advantage of you for far more often – Far more often than not. Um, yeah. Chan- yeah. Tranquil did flash in pass rush and coverage. Uh, I think he he just showed up. He was just there. And he had a real, quite a long purple patch during the game where he was just smashing it. Um, so probably not the best uh, uh, linebacker performance for mine. Uh, and I think that does tend to contribute to a run game where we might we might overlook it a bit because we... Did pretty well ourselves, but Cam Akers still smashed us and we're still so vulnerable to that kind of runner, a bruising runner. Um, so there we go. Uh, I just think don't, just, having, sorry. I, th- I think Dermot, I think having Dermot James back will change that a little bit. Um, I've seen enough. Listen, Kenneth Murray is, you know, people will still be poo pooing him. Um, I'm not saying that he's the answer, um, but, you know, he is actually, he, he did put, he is starting to string a couple of good games together. And if this is a drop-off, I'm okay with that. Hmm. I think Derwin James against the Rams changes uh, the run defense quite quite vastly. Um, and I think they did okay. Tranquil does pop up at because he is, he is flashy. I think he's a very intelligent linebacker. I don't think he's necessarily as physically gifted as perhaps what you might want in Staley's scheme. You might want a little bit more athleticism, even though Drew Tranquil's an incredible athlete. Mm. Um, Just smart athleticism. You don't need to run all day. Like playing AFL footy, you don't need to run all day. You can be smart. If you run where you need to run, you're efficient. You don't need to just be a hothead all over the place and run around like a headless chook. If K9 can get his head right and he can get... That this defense under his, I guess, uh, cognitive control, let's call it that, I think he's going to be the perfect linebacker for Staley. I think he would, because he's big enough to stop the run if he can diagnose it properly, because I don't think there's any issue with him tackling, because he's a very, very big boy. It's just get him getting to the ball. Um, him in coverage, he's shown over the last couple of weeks that he can do that. Uh, but you're right. Listen, we all know that we kind of identified on the podcast that the linebackers are the weakest spot, I guess, or the 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 least valued in Staley's defense. Yeah, they're so like it'll the, be interesting un, the to unloved nephew or something. They're just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, Murray whiffed on a open field tackle against Cam Akers, where and then, oh sorry, no, he. he lost him on the route where May- Mayfield overthrew him and that was yep. to the house. Yeah. Um, it was actually really weird watching that pass and miss because I was like, that just seemed like such a catchable ball. Anyway, yeah. glad, that, glad they didn't. There's a few of those during the game. And it, <laughs> he tackled his own teammate. I think he smashed into Jasir Taylor on Cam Akers' big run. Um, yeah. Just, yeah, lewd. Anyway. Uh, that's all right. You're right. What I'm concerned about on that is that 
not a highly valued position at the in the team. Um, Drew Tranquil's hitting free agency. He has played a heck of a contract year as far as a Chargers linebacker goes. My concern is that, like Kaiser White, they let him walk, and there's there's the quote, and you heard it here first. In the last few weeks, of the, in the last two months of the season, we've seen enough from Kenny Murray to know that he's he's going to be the the leader of this group going forward. I'm terrified of that because there's mm-hmm. sometimes there's just too much faith in in the people and going financial decision. We can't probably afford to pay Drew Tranquil big linebacker money, and he might get it somewhere else. Um, oh well, we'll worry about that in many an episode's time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll trust Brandon on that one, like I trusted having um, having Kaiser White walk, and who knows what happens in the draft too. It's going to be a position of need, and don't forget Troy Reader sitting there. So Troy Reader is just sitting there. He knows this game very well. He might not be an A an A linebacker. Drew Tranquil's not an A linebacker. He's probably a really good B plus linebacker at his best. We might only need a B to a C plus. Um, on that last, before we sort of move on uh, to our um, around the leg, or we might actually watch Alistair's video. Uh, just a shout out to I think his name is pronounced Dominic. Is it Muciacito or Muciacito? Um, who writes for RiversLake.org? He wrote a really good piece. Um, called Why Our Podcast is Breaking Up with Brandon Staley. Uh, really, really eloquent and really well put together um, and kind of touches on a lot of the things that we've been talking about, um, how Brandon Staley was this hot defensive mind and now the whole media's cooled on him and they've focused on Mike McDaniel being the new hot OC. Um, and I think you know it really did fall in line with how we've seen Brandon is that it's taking him time. He, Brandon and Staley is teaching a system of adaptability and making the best play from what you've got in front of you. Not a, here's the playbook, this is what you do. You just go, you tackle. He's not, he's not doing that. He, he wants to empower his players. So I think um, that's why we've seen this slow uptake, but I just think this is, the, this is it. I'm, I'm thinking that this defense next year with the right players, oh boy, oh boy, with some of these players back and healthy, oh boy, heard it here first. I reckon it's going to be a top five defense. Heard it here first. Dominic Machacito, beautiful article, well written, loved it. We are not one of those podcasts that needs to apologize. We are at fault pro Staley. And um, now the chickens are coming home to roost. So we'll ride until we die with this man and has definitely earned his third year uh, playoffs, 10 wins uh, with this injury list. The the stuff that Incredible. he's faced uh, is definitely deserved a, a massive shout out for what he's been able to achieve and how they've been able to achieve it. They've won the games that were just tough and rugged wins. And now we've got the guys back, it, you know, even though we can't not talk about big bear, Joey Bosa, he only played 49% of snaps, two tackles, a couple of hurries. He was still there. He wasn't 100%, but that's why you have the guy on a snap count. He's got to get a bit of game time into him leading into the playoffs. Um, And uh, it's exciting. He's going to add a lot to run defense as well um, because, yeah, you don't recognize what he does. So, man, when you've got Khalil Mack and Joey Bose, we spoke about this so much leading into the season and for the first two weeks. um, Now we've got it back when it matters. And it's funny because you see a lot of the team, like while we were sort of struggling, we had that 
patch in the middle where, you know, we lost to the Chiefs and the Niners and things were looking pretty grim uh, at 6-6. Six and six. And other teams, you know, like teams like the Jets, you know, just sort of the Dolphins, just soaring. And we're like going, God, man, playoffs is going to be hard. Like, you're going to need well over 10 wins to be able to get in. Lamar Jackson gets injured, so Baltimore drop a couple of games. Um, all of Tennessee, who were available, got injured. So now they're at risk of not even making it. Um, Tua, injured. The Jets pretty much don't have a quarterback, and they have just fallen off the side of a cliff. So... We've really actually come round at the right time, and it's um, <laughs> mate, it warms my loins. It is that it's, exciting. But it is, and you know what it is is that Joey boat two two years ago, three years ago, when Lynn or when McCoy was coaching Joey Bosa being injured, he would be rushed back, and he would have to play ninety percent of snaps because we'd need the win to get into the playoffs. He can sit back now and go, you know what? I don't even have to play fifty percent. I don't even have to really pass rush that hard. And if you watched him, I was just watching his get off and his explosion. He wasn't going 100%, which is fine because that's all he needs to do. He sits there and goes, no, I'm feeling healthier. When you touched on it last week, Andy, I'm feeling healthier than I ever have before and I'm good to go. Now, I'm just hoping that with Rachel and Slater, we do the same thing. I, I We want Rachel and Slater for 2023-24. Don't play him unless he's ready. Uh, but wow, exciting. This is exciting. Super exciting. Oh. Very exciting. Well, as we, as we touched on, Al was at the game and bumped into a couple of listeners, a couple of um, mates from Bolts from the Blue. He actually spent the, the time there with his wife and best friend of the show, Kyle's wife. Let's see what these two got up to. Jack and Andy, TDU listeners, SoFi Stadium as the Chargers belts around 31-10. Kyle here and Zayna. And fans, we better do this quickly. We've got two questions. I'll start off with Andy. First question. The Chargers have won a game in this beautiful stadium at SoFi. State of the art. But in the playoffs, it might get cold. It might be at Cincinnati. It might be at Kansas City. Andy, how do you feel about whether this Chargers team can win games outdoors in January when it counts? Okay. Jack, that question's for you. Try handy. The boys have put up 31 points. The offense is looking a little less anemic than the week past. Do you believe that they should rest starters next week in preparation for the playoffs? Or let guys that are a little banged up, like Hipkins, maybe Herbert, still play out next week and uh, see if they can carry the momentum? Okay, sorry, Andy. What I meant to say to you is, I'm six foot two, not six foot one. You short stack. All right, see you, brother. Happy New Year to the listeners. <laughs> I'm six one when I do this. Go Chargers. <laughs> see you next time. <laughs> oh, I'd just actually a little missed, bit of beer being drunk. There. I'd actually missed Carl's little uh, bit at the end. That was awesome. Well done. Pop that. <laughs> yeah, you could be six three. You could be whatever you want. But wearing that beanie, I don't know, man. I don't want to see it. That's yeah. <laughs> Jack, yeah, mate. For the, um, listeners, you- <laughs> yeah, for the listeners, that beanie was horrendous. That's It was a horrendous beanie, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, Jack, do you want to uh, kick us off with Alice's question that was directed at me that was actually for you? Yeah, sure. Uh, I will. I think we're okay. Mate, Hashtag Staley, had a few, sh- had ya? <laughs> Staley, Chicago. Born and bred, Ohio. Cleveland. Knows the cold. Bryce Callahan. Played in Chicago. Knows the cold. 
Cole Van Noy played in New England for a long time, knows the cold. Khalil Mack played in Chicago, cold. We're okay. We've got veterans on this team, and this is where the veteran presence will really help. This is where the veterans who know how to play in the cold, who know what to do, they will get the team ready. They will prep those younger guys. They'll know what it's going to be like. So in relevance to that, I don't think it's going to be a major issue. The only thing would be if we need to pass a lot and Herbert doesn't perhaps have the experience throwing in super, super cold conditions. So that's what I'd say to that one. Good question though. Mm. Yeah, fair play. Um, I'd also say, you know, if yeah, inclement weather and being forced to run the football a lot is uh, potentially a bit of a stretch and also doesn't bode well for us if we're in, but I trust. Uh, as for your question, Kyle, what I managed to hear out of that, will the Chargers rest any of their starters after putting up 31 points on, uh, on offense? Absolutely not. In no way, shape, or form. Um, Four-game win streak, opportunity to clinch the fifth seed and play either Jacksonville or Tennessee over potentially Cincinnati or Buffalo or Kansas City. Uh, I'd wholeheartedly expect Staley to suit up our best available lineup. Um, It sends a positive message to the players. The job is not yet done. It sends a message to the league, in my opinion, and that is the other six teams don't want to play LA in the playoffs. And after all, FTB, fuck the Broncos, smash Denver. (laughs) Thank you for your time, boys. All right. That's good. Thanks, guys. So just before we jump into the Broncos preview, I thought it'd be a little bit of fun. Um, And, you know, we could have almost taken advantage of this last week and and jumped in on it. But um, as the regular season sort of reaches its climax, there's still a bevy of live games and teams vying for those final wildcard spots in both the... uh, the NFC and the AFC. Um, don't worry, bold fam. We got it locked. Minimum sixth. Decent chance of fifth. Happy days. But ain't this tie, tie break stuff crazy? Um, AFC South title on the line. Uh, could the Packers sneak in behind the Seahawks, even though the Seahawks are still same win-loss but above them at the moment? Who really knows who needs to beat who? Atlanta in the American Southwestern Division, East Northern. Then Milwaukee goes to the Denslow Cup. Unless Baltimore can upset Buffalo and Charlotte ties Toronto. Then Oakland would play L.A. and Pittsburgh in a blind choice round robin. And if no clear winner emerges from all this, a two-man sack race will be held on consecutive Sundays until a champion is crowned. Oh, well, he knows how. Uh, God, I love that movie, <laughs> Basketball. Uh, there you go, Jack. What's the playoff picture like in the NFC? Fantastic. NFC, uh, before I do get going, can you remember drinking a slab of Cronenberg? A slab is 24 beers, listeners. Uh, every time they said dude in basketball, I don't think we made it to the end of the film. Uh, we wanted to go out after that, but I don't think we did. So, oh, um, man. That was in our youth. Liver, oh, <laughs> eyes were too big for our livers, that was for sure. We gave it a good nudge, though. Yeah, it was the, the, the dude oh, fight yeah. on the Malaka Laka board of, of peace that really uh, unstuck us. <laughs> That actually, I do remember that. Oh, anyway, a um, couple of storylines in the NFC, uh, right? Because you've sort of covered a couple of them. Um, I'm looking at Philly this week versus the New York Giants. Uh, you know, there's a couple of storylines here. You know, Minshew has been throwing for the Eagles the last couple of weeks, and a lot of media, or some media pundits, have come out and said, "Oh, anyone at quarterback could win with this, uh, with this Philly." roster. Now, I don't think that's true. Um, they had a, 
absolutely rip-snorting game against the Cowboys. But I'm looking for Hertz to come to come out, and I still reckon they're one of the toughest. They're going to be the they're going to be the heavyweight in the NFC. Um, they will clinch the NFC East division title because we're not sure just yet uh, if they win or if Dallas loses. Uh, the next one, obviously, is the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they have clinched the NFC West. Uh, and it's uh, everyone purdy for president, I reckon. Uh, he's playing all right. Mr. Irrelevant is no longer irrelevant. Debo's coming back to health. Uh, and I watched that film just recently against the, the Chargers, how we played against them. I still think they're one of the most complete units in the let alone NFC, NFL. Um, they've got some absolute weapons. Um, and Kittle's coming back. He's playing well. He's got a really good relationship with Purdy, it seems. And you've got McCaffrey just going absolutely ham. Uh, I won't harp on too many others, but the Dallas Cowboys, my question is always going to be, are they the real deal? Can they get it done when it when it counts? Um, Prescott's having a good year. Uh, against the Titans, though, they really struggled. The Titans' defense uh, shut them down quite well. Gino and the Seahawks, who knows? Um, they play the Rams on Sunday uh, with a Seattle win and a Green Bay loss. They clinch a playoff berth. However, um, Green Bay are playing Detroit. Uh, and uh, At Lambeau as well. I sort of called it in at Lambeau. Now, I have a feeling that the Green Bay Packers might completely overwhelm the Lions here. Dan Campbell has done a great job. Jared Goff's playing well. Amon Ra St. Brown is one of the um, most fun receiver, young receivers to watch in the NFL. But I said it, and I'm going to go back to back about 20 or 25 episodes when I talked about Aaron Rodgers being the old gunslinger, mm. the old gunslinger just sitting there. Everybody thinks I'm too slow. But... <laughs> Bang, I'm 8-8, eight and eight, and with a win against the Detroit Lions at Lambeau, they clinch a playoff berth, and I would not want to play against Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. So that's what's happening in the NFC. Nice, man. Um, big shout-out to my cousin Dan, Big Packers Dan, and uh, shout-out. I would love nothing more than to see, and I think it will happen, um, Packers Detroit at Lambeau. Um, I love Aaron Rodgers, and I've got a soft spot for the Packers, but... I'd really love to see that win and just to see what they can do. They're just going to be an absolute shitstorm as a, as a road team um, in the, throughout the playoffs, and it's going to be super fun to watch. Ooh, yeah. Let's just hope that someone else knocks off the 49ers for their case um, because we know that they can't beat the 49ers in the playoffs. Uh, all right, the AFC. Um, look, there's only one spot available uh, for the playoff hopefuls in this division. The clinched and the seeding. So at the moment, the Chiefs uh, obviously have won the AFC West, I think, for the seventh year in a row, which is becoming quite upsetting. 13-3 and three record. Um, we've got the Bills and the Bengals uh, to still, whenever that sorts out, they're still sitting as the two and three seeds respectively at the moment. And then the Jaguars currently uh, the AFC South champions pending a victory over a depleted Titans team. Chargers 10 and 6, Ravens 10 and 6, and at the moment the Patriots are 8 and 8, currently 7th. Dolphins 8 and 8, Steelers 8 and 8, and the Titans obviously as I said vying for that fourth spot. Um, so three teams 8 and 8. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Patriots play at Buffalo potentially on a very short week. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with the rescheduling of Monday night football. Dolphins at the Jets. Um Really interesting one there. And Steelers play at Baltimore, which I think has been flexed to um, 
Monday Night Football because that's going to be an absolute howler. And I will, I would love to see because I love the storyline of Mike Tomlin never never having a losing season. I just want them to win and incredible finish stuff. nine and eight somehow with Kenny Pickett. He's doing some yeah, awesome incredible. stuff. Shout out to that kid. Like, what's that two two touchdown passes in the last minute of the fourth quarter in the last two Insane. weeks to win games? It's just been awesome. Um, you'd probably say though, Buffalo beats the Patriots. Um, Miami gets up on the Jets and. Probably Baltimore. My heart's saying Baltimore, but who knows? Is is Lamar back yet? I don't know what's going on there, but they don't look like they're putting no, up points knows. with Greg Roman and Tyler Huntley, that's for sure. So, look, the Chargers beat Denver. It's the fifth seed regardless of that Monday Night Football Clash. And uh, on that, let's get right into the the preview for our Week 18 divisional matchup in Denver. Um, it sounds like Joey Bosa came through the game unscathed. Uh, no other injuries to report of from Brandon Staley or the team, which is great news. Um, we're getting healthy. Derwin's still in the protocol. Hopefully we'll see him back um, at practice this week. During his press conference, he just heaped praise on guys like Kyle Van Noy, uh, Michael Davis, just for perseverance. Trey Pipkins is another one. Um, loved Donald Parham's game and how he's persevered as well to come back from big injuries and perform in the way that he has. Um, like I said, he, he Staley himself pointed out the need further need for improvement on run defense. The linebacker's getting sucked in a little bit. But all, all in all, pretty positive uh, moving ahead. And absolutely, as I said to Kyle's question about resting starters going into Week 18, knowing that you've got a clinch playoff, absolutely not. Not what he wants to do. It's always best available. Keep the ball rolling um, and just let's knock down as many pins as we can. And hopefully the longer we last, the more people we get back. Uh, Jack, what happened in the Broncos game against the Chiefs? Oh, geez. This was U-G-L-Y. You ugly. You ugly. Uh, and I'm not talking about Russell Wilson's face there. Um, it was a really very ugly game. We had the gross. pair of... The pair of Jays, Jerry and Justin, Jerry Rosberg and Justin Uten or Outen, I think his name is. Um, uh, with you got Rosberg uh, being the coach and Uten doing the offensive play calling after Hackett's mm-hmm. firing earlier in the week. Um, it, it, it was pretty clear that the Broncos really caught the Chiefs off guard here. Um, Russell Wilson was employed as a runner, a little bit more strategically and targeted. Um, he rushed for 27 yards. Um, and he also, uh, he, he had a yard, sorry, he had 16-yard touchdown uh, run into the end zone. Um, and for me, the Broncos really just went, fuck it, why not? Let's just do it. And they took plenty of shots downfield to try and just inject some life into this offense that's wilted with, you know, you got Jerry Judy uh, and you've also got, you know, Cortland Sutton there when they've been pretty, pretty average. So it was also, you know, it, it was 27-24, Chiefs win a seemingly close game. It wasn't. Um, the KC fumbled a punt. Uh, there was a sloppy snap on a one-point conversion, which they missed. There was a blocked field goal, and Mahomes threw a pretty, threw a pretty weird mm. pick. So um, even though I mean, he still threw for 330 and bloody three touchdowns, which is insane. Um, Wilson threw for 2-2-2 with a touchdown and ran in for two. So listen, I, it wasn't as close as it may seem. KC just weren't ready to play. And I think that's something that we'll talk about in our game plan that we have to be ready for, because I have a feeling that that Broncos locker room is probably wanting to play for a bit of pride. 
So, yeah, it was a bit of a crap game to watch, to be honest. I was a bit, was a bit sad that I got the preview of this this week. But say la vie. You're onto the you got to do uh, some work, man. You're onto the Broncos' strengths. I can't talk the whole time. You've got to do some work, man. Yeah. Uh, you got the Broncos' <clears throat> strengths, mates. Let's go. Yeah, so I won't be quick here. Ha, ha, ha. Look, to be honest with you, playing under uh, Jerry Rosberg, um, Rosberg, sorry, uh, I thought that the, the Broncos actually played with a lot more intent and desire in, uh, against the Chiefs. Um, I was interested to know, I only read this earlier, but Rosberg's, he was a senior assistant with the Broncos since week two, uh, aiding in game management. Um, he's been a past member of the staff involved with the Ravens Super Bowl 47 winning team. And I think in the last seven years he was there, they were a top five team in the league, um, five of those years. Um, over 40 years coaching experience, two decades at pro level. So probably just a little more, a little bit more, righto, you guys are embarrassing yourselves. Um, let's go out there and play football. And I don't know, maybe Russ has been limited by Hackett in not using his feet and uh, his passing's not really working that well. Um, but we are going to see them give it a crack because, once again, it's a divisional game um, and I think they, they're going to come out and give it to us. So even though I'm not seeing a whole lot of strengths, um, they've still got Russell Wilson, who's one of the best quarterbacks moving out of the pocket and throwing the deep ball that we've seen in the league for the last five to ten years um handy and run defense against the chiefs i thought um the d-line pressure was there forgive that ridiculous self-reception that Mahomes had um but you know it's still still uh still better a battered down pass um Mahomes, i will say is doing a better job of catching his own passes than Justin Herbert, but, you know, we'll move on. Um, look, I still think that there's elements of this defense that are good. I thought they played a really soft uh, zone against the Chiefs, and there was a lot of, especially early, a lot of intermediate receptions from Kelsey, just just a soft underside kind of thing. Um, but, hey, you know, sometimes you've got to be more defensive against Patrick Mahomes. Um what are you looking at in terms of their weaknesses, man? Uh, yeah, they're kind of everywhere. But I think <laughs> what I'll focus on is, listen, I, I still think their defense is like Pat Sertan's one of the was one of the top five quarterbacks, quarterbacks in the league, and Justin Simmons always plays well yeah, against. They us. got guys, they uh, got but guys. I think, yeah, they got guys. But do they have a team? That's the question, right? They got guys, but are they a team? Um, listen, I think you, you touched on it. the quarterback play is a weakness. Russell Wilson's having his worst season by far. Uh, we need to make him a pocket passer. Uh, we need to prey on him. We can't let him escape the pocket. So that's that weakness there. We want. I'm oh, sorry, that was a bit of a game plan. Uh, but the main thing I'm pretty sure offensive. all I said were weaknesses, and I tried to use one of their weaknesses <laughs> as a potential strength. So not even paying no, my due diligence no, right. to it, the likes of Sertain and Simmons. So. Put it in the pot. And Josie Jewell and um, yeah, Singleton are having they've a really good... they've got a couple good, of guys. Um, yeah, they've got Jerry guys. Judy. The biggest guy. weaknesses, point, point, point of attack, offensive and defensive line, uh, some of the worst or worst ranked players. Um, I mean, Barrett Browning showed a lot, but now um, 
when Bradley Chubb's left, uh, he's getting quite a little bit more attention and, and sort of not really producing particularly well. Their offensive line, bar um, my man, the big belly, Quinn Miners, uh, is, is, is really struggling. So I have a feeling that we're going to be getting after them at the point of attack all day. And that kind of leads into one of my first bits of the game plan, I think, is win at the point of attack. Be physical, uh, both offensively and defensively in our lines. Um, don't let them... Uh, get a foothold, beat them down physically early on, and I think they'll crumble. Uh, the other, the other one that I alluded to is I think we need to keep Russell Wilson in the pocket. Don't oversell the pass rush to try and get a sack. Keep him in there. Um, make him do the happy feet is what I was talking about that Baker Mayfield was doing. Make him force the ball because then our uh, secondary who are playing really well at the moment will just pick him off hopefully all day. I'm hoping for at least two picks of Russell Ooh. Wilson. Um, do you have any more stuff on the game like plan? I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> containment is my, my main one, is make Russell Wilson throw and... Just play tight in the secondary. Uh, I also want to have a constructive and positive offensive scheme uh, run. I want to play Herbert into the game early and, you know, get him get his confidence up early and just let him let him go nuts. Uh, don't give away too much for the playoffs, though, Joe. Just do a good job, please. Um, <laughs> I think we will get to Russell Wilson. I think we'll force turnovers. And I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy it because we've got a former Rams defensive coordinator in Jiro Vero. Uh, so there should be a little bit of understanding of from Staley as to kind of how we can pick that apart. Um, they did restrict us a little bit early in the year, 1916, I think. That was a really, we played down to their level kind of areas. And they're now missing a few of those defensive guys. So... We can really capitalize and put some points on the board, I think. Yeah, the other the other thing that I noted whilst I was watching is that they've really gone hard on the play action to try and get um, Sutton and Judy on deeper routes. So don't, don't bite. bite on the play action. Yeah, don't bite. I think that Kenneth Murray and Tranquil are going to need to be in those uh, intermediate spots. Um, and Jerry Judy loves a crossing route too. He's, he's pretty quick. Um, so as I said, lay the smack down on them, especially, especially Judy at the point of, um, yeah, play, play him quite physically, get the timing off. And as you say, get to Russell Wilson and just force. Um, the last thing I've got is, you know, play our game. Don't, you, you, you said it beautifully just before, don't play down to their level, walk in there, be professional, win at the point of attack, physical, to be honest, because if I'm, you know, the locker room and we're down two touchdowns at halftime, we're going, what's the point? Let's just finish off and let's just get it done. So I'm going to say... Should never be your attitude. 21, 28, 31. I'm going to say, no, I'll, go, I'll say 31. Oh, no, actually, you know what? I reckon I'm going to go 34 right. to 13. I hope it's an absolute belting for the Chargers. Yeah. If if the fucking Rams can put up 51 points on them, what can we do? My God. So 34-13. Business. There we go. 28-9. Um, <clears throat> Three field goals. Brandon, Brandon McManus. <laughs> Russell Wilson doesn't score a tutty. Sorry, I sorry us end to a sorry, sorry season for this divisional rival, HR. Um problem problem team so look i'm sure they're gonna throw it at us 
like you said, Michael Davis needs to. I think you touched on it earlier when we were talking about defensive like culture and how he just sort of feels. You know, he's got his personal life right and stuff like that. I think it, we saw a lot of culture with the Jack Boys a few years ago, but it felt completely pyrrhic and just like just yes. uh, like a a handle for a, a social media influencer. You know, just nothing behind it. Here, there's none of that shit, and you've just got. I feel like guys are just saying, "Man, play." Play more press coverage. Get physical. You're six, two or whatever. You rangy guy. You pre- press coverage duty, and you'll have you'll you'll be in his pocket all day. Let's crush him. Um, two wins from both of us. Let's everyone enjoy week eighteen and uh, and beyond. We'll we'll enjoy see you next guys. week on the Thunder Down Under Charges podcast. Peace. Good night to all!